the government didn't do anything. Then, to interfere and, and to try and stop it. Have they done that now? Like, has that changed? No, that means... patterns, isn't it? No, that means just a... It's like a vicious circle. I mean, you have kids that grew up in that area, some of them that survived, but then have their own kids, so it, it's like it's vicious. It just keeps going on from generation to generation. Because mm. you, know, you don't know anything else. How do we break that cycle? It's very hard to break it, man. I mean, I was lucky I my kids in here when the drugs were rampant. And then um, I was lucky that I kept them. Yeah. And then my brother had children, he lost three of his children to drugs, you know what I mean? So, well, from the one family, but two separate issues, two separate dimensions with the family, you know what yeah. I mean? I, mine, mine came through, thank God, his yeah. didn't. Right. You know, so. And, and just there's so many families around Dublin, isn't there? North, so no one that hasn't been touched by drugs. No, no one's immune to it. Nobody, nobody. Doesn't matter what your background, where you come from, nobody's immune to drugs. That's a great point. And it's not just prevalent in flats. You're no, talking everywhere. middle class, you know, upper class, mm. working class, isn't it? It's right across everywhere. the board. It's right across the board, yeah. It's everywhere. Where did the, uh, the, the, the community work come in for you? When did you get involved in that? Oh, yeah, I know you're involved in the, 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 the breakfast club at the moment. You, you have a, a super... When, where did all that start? I always helped out in the flats when I was younger because um, Paddy Graham had a very heavy one. Him and brother um, Patrick uh, John Lane used to run some of our projects in the class, and we kind of always had to. So that's where I got to kind of. I was getting something back, yeah. and it just went down from there. I just, I mean, I had to. I was working different jobs at the time, and then John Gallagher approached me that one year to a. I think it was the fourth Patrick's Day parade that he was setting up, and he wanted kids from very early mm. from the whole delivery. So. Yes, because I bring children up from here, so I brought each of kids from here in Bridget Street up and they participate in the parade. And I've done that for a number of years and then he kept on asking did I want the job, but I said that I was walking. Right. So I said, he eventually broke me down, so I, I said, I'll come in, I said, well, I said, I want to be, if I walk, I want to be walking in the community. Right. So that's where it started from. Brilliant. Just kept going. Brilliant. What was it like to work with John Gallagher? He's some man for the community, was he? Brilliant man. We're actually thinking about doing a... a, a a whole uh, documentary. His whole, life, his whole life was given to the community. Tell us, and a, tell us only, a bit about that. Not only on this side of the district, but John was known all over Dublin. Yeah. There's very few people in Dublin that can say that you don't know John Gallagher. Because right. he, he went everywhere and he done everything. He set up the first community games. He set up the first number of projects in the area. So, I mean, he done, he, he done great things. And he done an awful lot of things that people didn't ever even hear that he, that he done, you know. So, right. he was a very um, private man. Yeah. But he had a passion. His passion was to kids, education, that to be educated and community. That was his passion, that's what drew him. Really? Yeah. I never knew that about yeah. him. The only memories I have of him was he used to bring was all like the swimming, the summer yeah. projects, you said, scream lads, get out of the pool. <laughs> was that the reason why he done it? Yeah, I, John, I think John came from a privileged background. Right. But he was, he was never, this is my opinion, but he was never snobby there. He was he was as down to edge as you could get, but he wanted to ensure that the kids, the education he got, the kids in the Liberties got. So he was always pushing for education. And when we set up, he set up the breakfast club, the homework club. Yeah. We set that up in the 90s, I think it was. That's it when I met you. I met you yeah. in, in 98 or 1998. Yeah. I was walking in the butch at the time. I used to be fucking terrified of you. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this she takes no shit. Because oh. I was full of I was full of bullshit, bravado, and I thought it was me, me, me shit didn't stink, and I used to go down there, fucking think it was Billy Big Bollocks, 
and you're like cutting the legs on. I was like, this fucking one is a tough pucky. No, but I used to, I have to say, if you and I had a fantasy, I said, I, when you'd come in, they'd say, I'll take the shit out nobody. Oh, you took the shit. But I wouldn't take off the old, so I wouldn't take off someone else's child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have to say, I had the great memories of them kids. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. even now, some of them is married, have their own kids, and they just say to me, it's the best time you ever had with just you, though, even though you're terrified of them. I mean, it was you had to some you had you had to be respectful of someone, and if you're walking in a group with over sixty boys, it's hard, and you're going to get the messes in between them. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. no, I love doing it. Yeah. I got a great buzz out of it. Why did you do it? What's your why? What was in it for you? I just I don't know. I just see. I lost a child, man. Right. I lost my fourth child. and I was blessed with three other children as well. But every child, you have the different. Um, empathy for you have a different kind of love for them. Yeah. It's that's all mad. No. But what I couldn't give pain or as this, I can give it to other kids. I could give it to other kids. Did that have a huge impact on you? Is that is you can you trace it back to that? Maybe yeah. that was the reason? Well I, I always helped out but when I started up with John and I seen kids coming in there and I mean the innocence of some of them telling you what was going on in the homes is like you didn't know any different. Yeah. And I said, she's sacred heart. There's no one ever telling us that you love them or give them a hug. And that's where I started. I was like, I couldn't give it to me, so I'd give it to them. Wow. So I used to grab them then. It, well, it's a few in the, the yard when I was there. I used to make mug, have a, a group hug. And you say, hey, she is again with a group hug. And I used to group before we left. Because I never allowed them to leave in anger. Right. Why? Because I, I didn't want their anger carrying out. They had to talk about me. And one thing I found about children, I've seen it with an awful lot of adults, they'd be talking down to them. They wouldn't get down to the level of the child, where I always did. And I used to make them say, I used to them, look at me. I'd make eye contact, eye contact with them, I wouldn't hover over and look down on them. Wow. You can't do that. That's fantastic. You can't do that. But I said, you said you were terrified, and that terrified me. But it still came back to me and just more protect. Do you know why it was terrified of this? It, was, it wasn't because you were just being like, it was probably because you could see me. Probably you, yeah. like, you, you could see through me bullshit. I could see what you were doing. Yeah, like it was all bravado, yeah. it was all bullshit, it was all phony. And I was like, she can see me. I know it now, but I didn't then. Yeah, because I mean, I had one lad and he was, he was the, the clown in the group. Brains to bone. But you saw his purple front. He'd be the messer. And I just mm. said, well, well, they all have great jobs at the you're going to be left behind. Because they put you up front to get a great laugh out of you. Yeah. But you're not learning anything. They're doing what they want. So you kind of, like, you, you just kind of looked at me. Then that's like you just behaved. Wow. If you have to show kids the potential they have, and when they're in a group and they have peer pressure from their, from their friends, they say, well, look, you can step to the side of it. Mm. You're not down for it, you know. It's a hard thing, isn't it? It's that crap mentality, isn't yeah. it? The kids in the flats, un- yeah. unconscious to themselves, yeah. they're pulling their mates down. How do we break that generational pain? But How do we fight One thing I never, and I said, I, don't, I mean, I had hundreds of boys and girls in there over the years, but one thing I made quite clear when we were joining up was that I didn't tolerate any kind of bullying. I never. Because I remember I had four of them and they were big lads, and they were starting, and I said, if these ones are out to bully, and five. I showed it to the five seconds in the middle of the floor, they broke around that. Oh, Jesus Christ. But that's the only way. They didn't see what they were doing was wrong. 
Yeah, it's unconscious, isn't when it? When I pull it up to them, I let them see from the other side what it was like for someone else to be intimidating, but they, they kind of backed away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I got a girl, and then a couple of years after, a motivational speaker, and she gave them talk on bullying, yeah. and the effects on bullying. And I it took a lot out of the kids, because I could see the respect they were showing one another. Right. So it's all, it's, it's all about education, and that's what it's all about, educating them. But on their level, going down to their level, not just looking down and telling you do this and you do that, it's, that's not how you treat it, right? Yeah. I, I was if you wanted to just get respect, show them respect. Yeah. That's only way you can do it. I love what you said there, Liz, you know, uh, like you can deliver a message, but it has to be packaged in a way the kids from the inner city, kids from the flats, you can't be going in from a textbook. No. You're delivering love, kindness, education, ways of being in a certain way that they get it. Yeah. Like, you know, by bullying someone, this is what it looks like. Yeah. Being kind to someone, this is what it looks like. Eye contact. Some of these kids have never had eye contact. No. It's alien to them, no. isn't it? That's what I'm saying. So, I kind of opened my eyes when I seen the kids. Because, I mean, I would have never really been up that area much, mixing with the children. And when I seen the kids, some of them that come in, and they were broken back. But we, I mean, with the help of the girls that worked with me and John, we fixed them. We fixed a few of them. And as I said, you can only get one out of ten every month. Yeah. I've, I've said this I've said this to many people, right, uh, Liz, right? The importance of community leaders, community activists like yourself, you can be that. Like, kids need security, independence, yeah. attachment. A person in the community like yourself, a coach, a boxing coach, a football, they're so important. They're unsung heroes of the community, aren't they? Yeah. Like, this, like they could have a horrible experience at home, but parents, they have their own experience, yeah. their own karma going on, the parents, and no blame. But you could be that person that keeps them on track by showing them love, kindness, That's all it is. and it's it's unseen, I think. Yeah. I mean, I miss the kids terrible. The Rachel Hogan brought Jack down to me the other day because Jack was a very special child to me. All the kids are special, but Jack had his little um, he's autistic, and he settled into a routine with me. And when we lost the, the building, that that routine was gone, and I missed them because I haven't beyond that grandchildren are autistic. But when they're in it. And they have a, a day where they have everything is sorted out for them. And they go into their retreat, retreat and when that's broken, it's really hard to get them back settled, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, we had loads of kids come through up there, Francis Street, Warrenwood. We had kids from over and then White Fire Street. We had kids from everywhere. Mm. And that's one thing that John would never, we would never refuse a child to attend a college, doesn't matter where he came from. Every child was treated equally. Mm. And that's what I don't. Well, not only me, I'm trying to get them, Phyllis and Nesbitt and all that. Yeah. Treat them all equal. And that, and that, that's, Jesus, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. I have this theory, Liz, right? It's, I believe that childhood trauma is one of the greatest pandemics, epidemics, yeah. call it what you want, across the world. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Well, when the, refugees, the first set of refugees come into this area. When the what? The refugees that are coming in here from the Congo and, and all that. And... They were all based in the Liberties, believe it or believe it not, and we had children that had come. And when I say traumatised, that wasn't the word to describe what these kids were able to see and experience over with. You could see it in their eyes now. And it was heartbreaking. And it was only later on when they were put into um, provisions and then they got houses and they were moved out elsewhere that I discovered that some of the little girls that was in with me and, and the boys had been abused, sexually abused. I mean, 
But I mean, they don't come from the area, they have no concept of the area. Yeah. They don't come from black or from in, in inner city. But there's a lot of them that do, go, that do come in and they, they want to mix, they want to get to know the people. And I've been very lucky over the years with all the community there that was in Kevin Street. And even today I'm still walking with them. If I need anything, I just have to ring them and they're up, they're delivering, they're doing whatever we need, collecting stuff, you know. So. Yeah. And that's one thing I always made sure with the kids in the homework club that they never be afraid to talk to you there. If they're ever in trouble, they can go approach you there. And that's even with the kids in the morning going to school, if, any, if you think anyone's funny, you're like, you're running to the nearest shop, don't be afraid to ask people to help you. Yeah, that's that was counterintuitive for me growing up as a kid. Don't ask for help. Definitely don't say it to the authorities. Definitely don't say it to the guards, or because you're a rat. No. And you're a faggot. And all these derogatory terms are said to you to if you reach out for help. That's lovely to hear that. No, I always meet. That's one thing I always told the kids in the rest of the art school that anyone approach you, or you think someone is funny, go into the nearest shop, or stop the nearest guard to see help. I said, never be afraid to ask for help. So I mean, it's it's the safety aspect as well. Do you know what I mean? You can you see in the flats kids rambling around for all the right that state in that complex. But I've seen young kids out on the streets. They're not from around here. They're probably here from here, but not from mm-hmm. here. And they don't want to be terrified mm-hmm. at the age where they are walking around. You know, so there's not a lot of danger out there. You don't realise that. Mm-hmm. There is. So safety is paramount. Okay, you have to tell them not to be afraid to stop a girl. Stop it went to a shop and asked for help, someone will help them, mm. you know? Yeah. What is the work you're doing at the moment in regards around the COVID? I know you're doing a bit of work with the... I'm still doing the... Uh, with the soup The food, food uh, the deliveries, yeah, I'm still doing the, the hampers, but it's, I'm assisting Christopher and um, Fran and the day, the day, the day, the brilliant work. I'm assisting yeah. them with food when I can get it for them. If I can get it, I give it to them. Yeah. But we're all just walking around, and I had the privilege of going out, as you did, with Christopher twice. Yeah. And it was brilliant. I love contact. But I, that's what I missed most is the contact I had when I was up in the house. Yeah. Talking to people. Yeah. Because we, even when I was on France Street, I would have a lot of um, lads that had alcohol problems and mental health. And you'd come into France Street, we'd make a couple of teams, have a chat and a laugh. And yeah. So I missed all that. Yeah. So we need to go out with Christopher. It was brilliant. Yeah. And I, as a matter of fact, the first night I went over him, and we were getting those soup and time to talk to girl and next day he was up there and I looked around and there was a father and his child just went to the home woke up to me and he's had a fall on hard times. Yeah. But as soon as he seen me he remembered me. Yeah. And I just said talking to her, I said, geez, what happened? I said so. I said, look, I said, you know to go down so far you'll bounce back. Mm, yeah. It's amazing, I hadn't seen him in years, but he still recognised me the last time out in the middle of the street. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. How have the flats changed though in regards with you know Dublin City Council, the layout, the the, the complexes? How has that all changed? Well, in the nineties when they done the region here, both Andy would remember the flats when we were growing up. We would have the beautiful, um, in the little around the square there, we'd have the beautiful castle steps we used to call it. And steps that brought you up into the higher block. And then I don't know who the brainwave was that you got. The region in the 90s, but they mm. put in all what I call the base listed um, blocks around there. All. You lost out an awful lot of space when they put all that tree in. It wasn't anyone's benefit in here. Mm. They put in trees that was meant for parks. So it meant that the, the trees were growing up and people's light was getting blocked out. It was mental what they done. 
And the amount of money they said they put into each flat, I couldn't see the value of what they were saying was put into the flats. Yeah. Myself, personally. Yeah. But this time around, hopefully, they had Boston, Campbell there, and the Residents Association. But in the process now, going through another plan for region. Well, at this time, it has to be what the residents want. Not what, not what the architects want. Or what they perceive to think that we want. Oh, okay. It has to be for the future, for the kids and the grandkids and the kids that's going to stay here. Mm-hmm. It has to work for them and it has to be sustainable for them. Because as you can see, the flats aren't that big, but we know the living standards of Europe. Yeah, European yeah, 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 yeah. So they have to bring them up to the standards, so they're talking 10 or 15 years, but we say, man. I, I like what you just said there is the people, the residents have to be around the table as yeah. well. I yeah. mean, because these decision making are making decisions without the people in, in mind. I have to live in them. Yeah. yeah. And do you think then that will change the face of the community if they don't? Because they're going to, like, already the, the area's been gentrified, isn't yeah. it? Like the liberties. And, yeah. So this is the last kind of stronghold as well, isn't yeah. it? These flats, my flats, your flats, yeah. uh, Marable Lane, School Street, Pimble. I mean, yeah, Mandar O'Brien, um, that's what you heard, Andrew, last week, you know, the thing was 62 million. But I mean, out of that 52 million, most of that is for the redevelopment around the greenery and all that. It's, it's nothing to actually do with the people that's living in the area. Right. To me, it's to beautify the place for visitors coming in. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's nothing there for the residents that's already living there. Yeah. That needs the, up to, up to, for the place to be upgraded for them, not, yeah. for, not for visitors. Yeah, it's, it's more like for aesthetics. That's it. Yeah, with trees, with it's, it's becoming a beautiful more place. Blah, blah. But in regards to the regeneration, you know, how do we get people involved? How do we get ownership from the resident association? How do we get people active? How can we get them to, think, to use their voice? I think people have been let down over the years by the councilman. And I think they've seen the degradation that's around them now mm. and the way it's being able to run down. And they're seeing people coming in and they're creating um, artist studios for them, different hubs, and it's being put all around them, but there's nothing actually for them or our kids. Mm. So people have begun now to realise that if they need they need a voice to, to be heard, so they're becoming more vocal now, which right. is brilliant. brilliant, and they're becoming more active in what's actually happening in the flats, and they're having their say, mm. and their voices are being heard there, because they're, I said, you can, have a little whimper and I want to hear you. Mm. Or you can roll up just the one and you have the attention. Right, that's what's happening. And you think, is that happening? Do yeah. you see that happening more? Yeah, I can see it happening because I think as we have a group that's staying out at the moment and it's a mix of all age groups. I think the older one is kind of worried to, to give air experience to the younger ones that's coming on and they're taking it on board. Yeah. But the one thing you'd have to be consensus is what exactly everyone wants and be everyone paid for that and push it to the council that we're not going to back it, we're not backing down. Mm. This is the group now that's representing the, the people and we have the people, you have to think of the people that we're representing. Mm. So I mean, yeah, that, that pushing and, and that, that voice in there, and which I'm delighted with. Yeah, brilliant. Because there's going to be a strong, if they keep going, there's going to be a very strong community in, within Alabama Bank. I think we're at. A, I do believe that we're at a at a, at a crossroads in regard to the yeah. community, the liberties. You know, people Anywhere. talk around the world about the liberties being this, this, and this, and that. But if that goes, you're losing the essence of liberties. Yeah. You know, you're losing its identity. So I think it's really important that the younger generation have to keep the have to keep going. 
Because this is what the, I remember when we started discussing the plan for country above, above five years ago, we started discussing what we are going to do in country. I said, that's all very well, I said, but there weren't good people living around country. I said, you are building everything around them, they're pushing them out. There'll be nothing left of the liberties unless the people of the liberties stand up and say enough is enough. It'll be just a fabricated liberty. If they want to build, build, not build. Build outside. Don't build in, in here where, where we're already smutting. And I remember the first block of apartments that I seen, or when I did the new slums in Dublin, they put down the slums in Summerhill and they put them up in the liberties. And that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, there's people there at the back, at the back of them, um, borrowing out there, and they're going to lose their natural light in the homes because of these hotels. And many hotels have needed them on the Right, yeah. You've over 5,000 student apartments. How many do you need? When all these kids go back home to wherever they're coming, wherever they're from, what, what's going to happen to all these apartments? All these accommodations are going to be turned into Airbnb. And a lot of them kids now that, or who they were built for, are, are doing online college yeah. because of the COVID. Yeah. They're doing online college. Yeah. So who's gonna who's gonna pay for those? And I don't know. I mean, as I said, what happens when the apartments become vacant in the summer? Are they going to be turned into Airbnbs? Because if it is, that's bringing in more problems into the area. And I mean, I found one thing with all uh, with the government particularly is they bring in services, they pop them up in the liberties overnight without informing anybody in the liberties. You don't go to any of the groups. You don't go to any of the councils. You don't go to anyone, they just appear. I mean, I found a service on, on Francis Street and I never even knew it was there. A service? Yeah, service provider up there. We were told it was a bike shop. It was turned out it was a, it was a service for um, people coming out of prison. I mean, that's just one. Right. And these are all popping up everywhere. Right, right. But right. no one's been told about them because if, if they tell the people what they're planning to do, they know they won't get them in. Mm. Yeah. This, this has been going on for years now. Look at the, the, the Nicholas Amari, the parish yeah. centre was turned into... The hospital. Yeah, and not against the hospital, but that was, that was a focal point. Yeah, for everyone. For kids, like, everyone. I was shocked that that was gone. Everyone. How did that happen? Well, I mean, the church owned the little stuff. Basically, down to the church. Jeez, I couldn't believe that, yeah. you know. Well, hopefully we get it back, that's what we're all praying for, we get it back, and it's given yeah. back into the community, because it, it was a badly needed space. I mean, people went in there for their dinner. You had women's groups there, you had kids groups, everything. That's, that building went from Monday to Sunday. Mm. Oh, I, think only, yeah. I think the only time that was closed was Christmas Day. Right. Every other day it was open, you know? So yeah. that was a huge loss for the area. Here's a question for you. You give out so much love, kindness, compassion, and they say you can't uh, give from an empty bucket. How do you fill up your bucket? Who looks after you? What do you do? I just look after myself. Yeah. I have I have my faith, I believe in the Blessed Mother of the Sacred Heart, I just grew up every morning praying. Yeah. Get through the day. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Or I go with deep at night, I pray. That's all we can do, that's probably that's all we have. I went down with <coughs> I went with Fran and Christopher yeah. last week and I watched them uh, and I went home and I cried a little bit and I was blown away by the work they did. But I couldn't get it out of my mind that they're not phony holy no. these guys are genuinely yeah. they care i watched i watched and i went home and i was asking myself the question am i phony am i really do i really care like, watch him you're the same person you know and, and i i it's, it's amazing to see that you give so much back to the community and i want to thank you so thanks very yeah. much i never look look what i was giving the back it's just something that was in me it's something i've always done it's walked me it's just it's something i enjoy doing and that's what i love about the the the, the liberties the flats is that genuine? I've been hurt, so I want to 
to help another person. You see the darkness and someone else is there to help. Isn't that what's so magical about the flats? Yeah, but it's not only the flats. I mean, even up in Garden Court and the old folks up there, I mean, I do often pop into them and like ask how to listen to them chatting and talking. Park Charles, I mean, they're just great neighbours up there, man. Mm-hmm. I got on great with everyone up there and, and they were all very helpful. Mm. So, I mean, there is genuine people that want to do good, you know, and they are doing good and people don't realise what they're doing. Which? They are doing good, but people don't realise they're doing it. I mean, yeah. even the you pack, I mean, I know you, you see the alcoholics on the street, or you see the addicts on the street, you say good morning to them. You're acknowledging them. That means an awful lot to them. They're human beings. They're human, and they're acknowledging them. And that's the fourth thing when I went out with Christopher. Every person who came up to I said, what's your name? And he had to look at me. But I mean, if you don't know their name, how can you converse with them? Yeah. So by asking them what their name is, you're acknowledging them that they're there. So I mean, if everyone done that around the liberties, and I know an awful lot of people and younger, especially younger people, you see them outside um, Tesco Bend, you see them outside Dillon, but they acknowledge them, uh, mm. and it might be only a year, but they give it to them. They're not walking by them, they're not, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not invisible. Yeah, 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 someone's yeah. reading, yeah. someone owns them. Yeah. So that's why they little waffle for tonight. Come here, here's the question I ask this at the end of every podcast. What is the one thing you'd like people to take away after listening to this interview? Just be more respectful of people's feelings. And don't judge a person by what they look like. Mm. I mean, no one knows what tomorrow brings for us. Not because I'll end up out the street tomorrow. But remember when you see them on the street, someone owns them. They weren't brought into the world to end up on the street. Mm. Just show a bit of respect. It's beautiful. I remember Chris was saying to me, you know, we're all just one paycheck away yeah. from being homeless. That's it. The lads do great work. You do great work. I'm absolutely delighted and honoured to do this interview. Uh, I wasn't nervous coming to meet you this time as I was 20 years ago. I think I'm a bit more genuine and authentic now that you can't see through me. <laughs> There's honestly, a, oh, that was lovely. You're just a beautiful human being and uh, the community needs fucking a couple of more hundred Liz O'Connors in the community. Loads of them out there, man. Just doing the work. There is, you're right. There really is. Me and Andy need to pull up our socks and do yeah. a bit more work. Uh, Liz, thanks very much. So Chris, uh, thanks very much. Uh, that was absolutely amazing. Liz does absolutely phenomenal work. The lads in the Liberty Soup Run are doing phenomenal work. Chris, I'm fan. They're just absolutely brilliant. I want to thank you, the listeners, for all your support, all the coin boards and the loving coin issue senders. Shout out to Liberty Media Hub. Uh, Andy, my trusty sidekick, that's his gig. If you ever need anyone to do any uh, media work for he's your man. I want to shout out to Noel Riley, Rooney Media Graphics, the girls from Shannon's Hopeline, yes, doing Sandra, Sandra and Lisa doing yeah. amazing work. Another brilliant, yeah. brilliant people in the in the, the liberties. When I mean, we get them back onto the podcast, and just, again, please share this with family and friends. Get out the words. Uh, about the flats, about the liberties, about being uh, being kind, as Liz would say, and being uh, treat everyone with respect. Uh, thanks very much. Take it away. Uh-huh.